following Dharma talk was presented at Common Ground Meditation Center, Minneapolis, Minnesota, as part of the weekly Dharma series. Okay, so welcome everyone. Um, some of you I may have had a chance to sit with before. Um, uh, my name is Mira Young, and I'm a longtime member of the Common Ground community and of the Twin City Vipassana Cooperative. And I'm also a community Dharma leader um, <coughs> training through Spirit Rock Meditation Center, similarly to um, Mark. And as you know, Mark and uh, a, a bunch of the community are on retreat this uh, week. So I'm glad you made it through the little snow out there. I hope the traffic wasn't too bad. And um, I'm delighted to be here um, tonight. And and uh, this talk, offer this talk on uh, love and contentment. It's a Buddhist Valentine for you all. Um, let's see. And I guess anything else to say? I, I'm also um, uh, a psychotherapist, and I teach mindfulness-based stress reduction. I have a little meditation center about a half a block away called Rivers Way Meditation Center. So. Um, Actually, um, I want to invite you just to go inside while we're still quiet here for a few moments and just notice how your heart is feeling this evening. And then dropping in a silent inquiry of what's it like when my heart is open. What's it like when my heart is open? Or what's it like when I live with an open heart? How's it feel to live with an open heart? So just just sitting with those questions in a silent inquiry, dropping them into the heart, and just notice what, what you notice. said, you could look the whole world over and not find another being more deserving of love than yourself. You could look the whole world over and not find another being more deserving of love than yourself. Stephen Levine, a meditation teacher, says, the practice of exploring the mind and that which lies beyond begins and ends with the heart. We learn to be loving by seeing how unloving we are. There's a little article in the recent Buddha Dharma magazine um, by James Beres. And James just um, published a book on awakening joy. And he's going to be coming here to speak in March. And I hope you'll have an opportunity to come and hear him. Um, 
But he wrote a little article called um, Loving the Whole Package. Loving the Whole Package. Learning to love yourself starts with forgiving yourself for being you. He says in his early years of teaching, he he was um, trained and uh, teaching with uh, Jack Kornfield, Joseph Goldstein, Sharon Salzberg, which are the the main three that started um, this insight meditation movement in the West out in um, Barry, Massachusetts. And he used to feel very um, generally inadequate, not good enough. And uh, he would compare himself to the to these other wonderful teachers, their wisdom and their storytelling and their open heart. And he spoke with um, his sometime mentor, Ram Das, to see if he had any advice, because he was really suffering over this. How many of us suffer with a sense of inadequacy or wishing we were like someone else or feeling less than? And uh, Ram Das said to him, Don't try to be another Joseph Goldstein, he said. There already is one. Just be the best Jamie Beres that you can be. There's only one of those, and you're it. What if you let yourself be who you are and see what you have to offer those students? Who knows? You may even like what you see. There is only one you. If you let yourself be the best one of of yourself possible, you may even like what you see. In time, you may even love yourself. Learning to love yourself is a process that evolves over time. It begins with letting go of self-criticism and forgiving yourself for being who you are. We forgive ourselves for habits and behaviors we continue to get caught up in that are less than wholesome. We forgive our bodies for how they look or how they function. Forgive our minds for being scattered and not being smart enough. Forgive our personalities for not being witty or interesting enough. As you stop focusing on what you don't appreciate and start seeing yourself as unique, mysterious, changing being, you allow your best self to shine through and the joy that radiates out to the world. Um, every year, for a number of years, there's um, some Sangha members here. Maybe some of you know them, um, Wendy Morris and Ned Rumanier. And uh, they, they have this tradition of creating and sending out a, a valentine or a, heart, a message of the heart. And they're usually their Dharma valentines. And um, some years, um, there's one was a button. It had a heart on it, and I could wear it on my jacket in the winter. It had kind of green and, and um, was just felt very alive. Um, one year, I got a magnet about love is the universe, and that was on the fridge. I usually put these up every year on the fridge um, to remind me. And this year, I received this. And this one is, I don't know if you can see it, it's a heart with a little orange Band-Aid on it. <laughs> And it says, how can you mend a broken heart? And then you take off the little orange Band-Aid, and you open it up, and it says, open it wider. Open it wider. 
and then it says, um, how can I open to, to all that is? Attend to how you mend a broken heart. Can it be a receptive heart? This is a tradition that they've done for, I think, 20-some years. And they send out 400 of their, their homemade valentines um, every year all over the country and all over the world. And I asked Wendy this year, I said, you know, and people will say, did you get your valentine yet? Did you get your valentine yet? And, and of course, it's, it's their special valentines. And um, I said, well, how do you possibly... 400 valentines, that's a lot of postage. How do you do that? And they literally put this small amount of money away each week so that they can offer that to to the world. Um, I also came across uh, a little um, practice, which is what would it be like to send yourself a 10-second valentine every day? Just to something about for your heart. Helen Keller talks about um, love this way. Have you ever been at sea in a dense fog when it seemed as if a tangible white darkness shut you in and the great ship, tense and anxious, groped her way towards the shore with plummet and sounding line and you waited with beating heart for something to happen? I was like that ship before my education began, only I was without a compass or a sounding line and no way of knowing how near the harbor was. Light, give me light, was the wordless cry of my soul and the light of love shone on me in that very hour. You know, most of us um, have a hard time loving ourselves and uh, or we might begin in this practice that we come here and we begin to practice the loving kindness, the metta sutta, and we begin to start to open our hearts. And sometimes as we do that, we see the things that are unloving. We see the things that are difficult to love. Um, Many years ago, I was on a retreat with a rather austere monk. um, And I was very surprised because his dharma talks um, were very traditional, and it was a pretty, you know, rigorous retreat. And then somewhere in the f- few days into it, um, he led us in a forgiving, a forgiveness meditation, and went over, you know, may I forgive myself for the ways that I've harmed myself, for the ways that, for those that have harmed me, for those that I have harmed. And we went through this process of of a forgiveness meditation. And so this this is the work of clearing out the heart. This is a quote by Herman Hesse. You know quite well deep within you there is only a single magic, a single power, a single salvation that is called loving. Well then, love your suffering. Do not resist it. Do not flee from it. It is your aversion that hurts, nothing else. And Rumi says, your task is not to seek for love, but merely to seek and find all that barriers within yourself that you've built against it. I'll read that again. Your task is not to seek for love, but to merely seek and find all the barriers within yourself that you've built against it. 
this author, um, Arthur John, in Sex, Love, and Dharma, um, addresses questions like, why do we always fall for the wrong person? How can I stop sabotaging my relationships? What's the secret to passionate sex life with compassion, humor, and honesty? And he invites us to really begin to look at what what is this love that we're seeking. Usually we're looking externally for love. It's out there. It's someone or something that's going to fill us up. And, and the Buddhist Valentine is really coming home to discover that it's inside us, that actually we are love, and that it is these illusions, these delusions, that, that are these places where we've had hurt or fear or shame or anger, or we're holding something that's, that's or not even consciously that may be in the way of living with an open heart, just letting our light shine through. I was here this morning giving this little talk, and, and, um, and then at the end of the Sunday morning, some of you may know that the kids come in. The kids come in, and, you know, that light, you know, the children just come in, and whether they're they're happy or unhappy or, you know, your heart just opens up because their hearts are open. You know, they're just, they're just there. And they sing us these little songs, and it was like, I mean, I wish I could bring them in because it, it's just that love, that openness. So he says that we all search for love. We want it. We think it will make us whole. We think that we can finally be happy if we find the love we desire. We almost make the mistake of looking outside of ourselves for that love, looking for somebody who will fulfill our every need and fantasy. I've done that. Have you done that? Yes, and then I have a real partner <laughs> who's human. We seek that external love, and then we completely forget to express love in our daily interactions. So. The ways that we can experience love is by expressing it. And he, he goes on to talk about, I'll read you this other part before I share that. Spiritually speaking, we get confused between the false love of the ego, which flows from a mindset of scarcity and need, and the love that comes from knowing one part, and then the love that comes from knowing one is part of the divine in the universe, and thus can simply never be empty of love because love is what we are. We're looking at it all the time. There's an old parable about a bird that learned how to fly and starts to fly, and he comes back to the nest, and he says to the mother bird, everybody's talking about the air. Where's the air? Where's the air? Well, that, that's really our relationship to love. It's who we are, and, it's, it, and, and how do we begin to tap into it? And he goes on to talk about... A woman at, the, at his, I think it's a food co-op or a natural food store, and he said that this woman, the way that she waited on people, she was a cashier, is that she embodied that. She was just there, um, present, and she would relate to people and say, you know, hi, how are you? And then they'd ask her um, how she was, and she'd say, you're looking at it. And she just generated that kind of warmth and care. Love is a verb. Love is a verb, not a noun. Just a little poem by Anonymous. Here's looking at you, kid. 
Get over yourself and simply love. Drop yourself and love. You are your partner. Your lover is you. You are your lover. The Metta Sutta, the Loving Kindness Sutta, um, Andy Olinsky from the Berry Center for Buddhist Studies describes it this way. And I've never heard the Metta Sutta described as a poem, but he says that it is the best love poems of the Buddhist tradition. So we have a love poem. A jewel sparkling softly, but compellingly through the centuries, and its message and appeal are truly timeless. The Metta Sutta speaks of universal good towards all creatures, giving shape to one of the most beautiful and fundamentally wholesome states of mind of which every human being is capable of. I sometimes tell this story that, that on, um, I know on, on one long Metta retreat I did some years ago, um, it was very hard work because when you often, you know, when we go inside and we quiet and we start to see what's present in our heart, it, it's not always um, pretty or fun. And um, I remember it was almost like this detox of years of what's called ancient twisted karma, just years of self-hatred and years of generational junk just coming out. And um, at the end of the retreat, I saw a couple of uh, my regular teachers came by and they said, wow, you look so shiny and radiant. I thought, if you only knew. <laughs> it was just like a rotor rooter process. Uh, and sometimes it can feel like that, like will I ever, ever be able to come home and love myself unconditionally? And um, my experience is that it is possible. And, um, and that it, and even the possibility of not being so self-critical and harsh and letting go of some of those unrealistic expectations. One of the phrases in the um, loving kindness sutta is about contentment. Content with little, easily maintained, not doing too much and lightly engaged, thoughtful with a peaceful demeanor and modest without greed among worldly things. That's one of the phrases of the loving kindness sutta. And Andy Olinsky suggests this practice. Oh, that contentment is usually talked about in our language and culture as something that one reaches or attains or achieves. And in order to be content, we have to have desires met. And again, in Buddhist tradition, there's this paradox, like love isn't external, something we get. It's a verb. It's something that we are and something that we can connect with. And that contentment is not something that we achieve, but something that we can practice, that we can become at any moment. Practicing contentment is a living exercise in any given moment involves simply asking the question, can I be content with this? What desires, wishes, preferences, beliefs, and attachments would have to be given up right here, right now, in order for me to feel content with this? Perhaps the room's a bit warmer than I would like. Need this be a reason for discomfort? 
Can I feel contentment as a living, present experience, even in the fates of an uncomfortable room or something else? You know, can we really choose contentment? One of my first um, teachers was in the yoga tradition, and I remember him talking about contentment. In the Sanskrit, it's called santosha, and that this contentment is a quality of just, you know, that kind of, it's like equanimity, but it has an even sweeter piece to it. And that, that's part of the loving kindness sutta, is that we begin to practice contentment. We're easily contented. We can begin to be at ease, even when the world is as it is. I know Mark has been um, teaching about the um, wholesome qualities, patience. And one of the paramis is loving kindness. On the paramis, there's the 10 paramis. One of them is patience that you've been working with if you've been coming here last week. And uh, loving kindness is one of those wholesome or beautiful qualities of mind. And the Buddha describes it this way. Free from greed, hatred, and delusion, alert and mindful, one pervades first the east, the west, the north and the south with abundant, expansive, immeasurable goodwill with the strength of a conch trumpet blower without any difficulty goodwill fills the all-encompassing cosmos. The Pali word for loving kindness is metta and Guy Armstrong who's a Dharma teacher senior Dharma teacher says that the metta mind is like frozen orange juice. Everything extra is squeezed out of it. What remains is the essential goodness, only sweeter. That sweetness like a metta mind. So this is a practice. We can practice being loving and experience love in our lives each moment, practicing contentment. You know, we can develop that. I love that phrase, the metta mind. The metta mind, that essential goodness, only sweeter. Stephen Levine talks a little bit about opening the heart, which I mentioned about that paradox of we work to open the heart, we often come in contact with the difficult. The irony of opening the heart is that the farther it opens, the farther it has to close. Thus, when, we're, when the opening heart closes, one feels as though they've never been so closed before. Able to touch the unloving with loving kindness is healing within the healing. Many have said they would like to be more loving. They complain that if they're able to be completely honest, their hearts aren't open for any more than a few moments a day. And that is a good day already. Loving kindness allows one to draw the mind concentratedly into the heart. As the attention gathers, the words are softly repeated and synchronized with the breath, and we begin to ride the tide of the breath in gentle perseverance that clears the path towards the heart. And that loving kindness, like mindfulness meditation, 
is a foundation practice, a lifetime's work, a lifetime's play. In um, exploring this topic of love, um, you know, it's amazing how, met, how many different kinds of love readings and poems there are. And uh, I mean, I could probably, I have pages here. We could have a, a, a love fest here. But I'm just going to restrain myself and uh, just share a few more so we can also um, speak together, um, talk together about this practice. Um, and I will like to end with the Loving Kindness Sutta. But I, in the meanwhile, I just have a couple more readings I'd like to share with you. This is um, love from Matilde of Magdeburg. What is the greatest kind of love? Great love does not flow with tears. Rather, it burns in the great fire of heaven. In this fire it flows and flows swiftly, yet all the while it remains itself in a very great stillness. And the interpretation is that this is taking us to a place beyond words. Articulating this love is not easy. What I hear is something about the awesomeness of love. I hear that love of power, I hear that the love is the power of transformation. I hear that love is brilliant. Its light allows us to see with pristine clarity. I hear the warmth of love's energy is so subtle it can't be either moving or still. These words portray a love that's not clinging or sentimental. Great love is the alchemical fire that transforms our baser instincts into good. This is a transformation. It's not clinging. It's about transforma that transformation, that hot fire that transforms the, the coal to gold or the impure, the difficulties to gold. Um, on a more mundane level, I think to think about the people and the things that bring us a sense of happiness and love. And sometimes it is hard to generate for ourselves. So remembering and thinking about people and pets and um, things that give us a sense of warmth is part of our loving kindness practice, as you may know. Um, I had a birthday recently, and I have a 80, almost 84-year-old mom who lives out of town. And my mom, I thought she was going to pass away this um uh, summer and uh, and she's had ill health on and off throughout her life well she's doing pretty well right now and I think her heart is pretty full Her, her she's going to be a great grandmother this year two of her um, granddaughters are both expecting babies and, and I'm telling you when she got that news I could she just it could just see that that she sounded stronger you know like she wanted to be around you know so her frail body wants to be around and she um, has a tradition of sending me 
a couple of cards, and she can't go to the store and all that. So somebody bought her cards, schmaltzy daughter cards, and she under she made sure they underlined it all the schmaltzy parts, and uh, and then she called and she she didn't quite know how to work leave a message on my cell phone and I could hear her caregiver going, it's recording, it's recording. And she, she left this wonderful message, you know, hey Mary, you know, and, and just wishing me well and health and well-being, just that unconditional love. Um, I was joking earlier today that, you know, probably when I was younger it felt much more conditional, <laughs> even though I know she was doing her best. But now it's just this, there's this person in the world, and I don't know how long she'll be around, you know, that, that just wishes me well, you know, whether we get along all the time or not, or it doesn't matter. She just this, so I saved it on my voicemail. I'm going to save it for a while, just because, um, you know, it, it, like in the Buddhist Sutta, a child, a mother's love for her child, her only child, that kind of, just that love, um, that outpouring. So you might think of what, what are those people, those things that that, that bring that for your heart. So I'm very grateful that she's still around. Um, this is by Mirabai. It's kind of an intense poem, but I, I feel it's very powerful, again, about the transformation of love. Oh, my friends, what can you tell me of love? Whose pathways are filled with strangeness? When you offer the Great One your love, first your body is crushed. Next, be ready to offer your head as his seat. Be ready to orbit his lamp like a moth giving in to the light. To live in the deer as she run towards the hunter's call. In the partridge that swallows hot coals for the love of the moon. In the fish kept from the sea happily dies. Like a bee trapped for life in the closing scent of a sweet flower, Mira has offered herself to her Lord, she says, the single lotus will swallow you whole. The single lotus will swallow you whole. Well, how about if we open up for some comments and questions, and then I'll um, read a little bit of the the Metta Sutta. Um, So any comments or questions, how you're doing here? Anything you notice? Anything that came up when you were reflecting on what it's like? To live with an open heart, or how your heart feels. Questions? Yes. As I say, when you asked us that, I, I thought about it, but I just didn't know. Actually, you know, have, have you done inquiry practice before? Have you tried it? Because sometimes 
that it's a practice that that I've been working with relatively newly, maybe in the last couple of years, and and um, it's a it's a a different kind of practice because it sounds like actually you went into a quiet place, like you let it drop in, and sometimes there might not be anything that comes up, but just you can just kind of silently let that question be there and just see what arises. Um, it's a it's a it's a different kind of practice. It's not the same as like going to your head and saying, "Okay, tell me what this is like." It's dropping it in to the silence. Sometimes I've gotten an image. Sometimes there's it's kind of blank. Sometimes there might be words. Sometimes there's a felt sense in the heart. It, it can be. It's it's an interesting practice. Um, but it, in, in the, and it's often used as a repeating question in the silence. And sometimes it's interesting because sometimes, you know, something like that, you know, sometimes you're not paying attention and all of a sudden maybe you're in an interaction and you just, or you walk outside and your heart's just open or, or you might feel where it's tight, you know, or something else, you know. So have fun working with it. Anyone else? Hmm? Sorry to hear about Hmm? Sorry to hear about Oh. Oh. Dang. Yeah, she's pretty stable. We say she has nine lives. She's <laughs> one, one year, a few years back, I, I think I bought 20 Mother's Day cards. <laughs> Mother's Day and birthday cards, because they come around the same time. So I think altogether between the birthday and the Mother's Day, I, a couple of years ago I thought she was going to go. And she, so I got to send all these cards. It's it's actually a powerful practice. I don't know, maybe some of you have lost um, parents, or, um, but but that that um, I found that this summer was a real heart opening. With with it, it really took me to a different place to feel that kind of um, um, vulnerability with losing someone dear. Yeah. Any other thoughts on this topic of love? Yes. Um, I have kind of trouble with the imagery of an open heart. Mm-hmm. Just because I've had to, you know, I just don't, but in terms of feeling the heart, I don't like that. But when you talk about an open heart, I sort of think, for me, I think of times when I really want to be uh, present, or I want to be open to an experience, and um, and a lot of times I can sort of be open, but it's like I don't, I don't trust that. Mm-hmm. So I can sort of like, well, I'm gonna kind of embark on this, but um, but I, you know, I can kind of shut to shut down to that experience that I'm going. So that's a cool. I think that's the best I can kind of get as to what's an open heart versus a Close. Yeah, it's it's um you know it's it's an easy phrase to say, but it's it's a process. Like like um, Levine was saying, it's a lifetime, a life. If you look at it as play as well as a lifetime practice, and also 
Um, I love Pema Chodron. Maybe some of you have heard of her, the Tibetan um, teacher. She's written some wonderful books, The Places you Sca- That Scare You. And that has a wonderful section on the near and far enemies of the loving kindness and the compassion and the other practices. And really about, you know, how, you know, you don't, it's not about ripping your heart open. It's about accepting when your heart's closed. Like, can you even hold, when your heart's closed, bringing that unconditional kindness or compassion to your own heart? That, that's also loving kindness. It, 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 a lot of us, we don't walk around with our hearts open. We, are, we feel frightened or, or, or sometimes it's a little open, a little closed. Like, you know, on a good day it might open for a few moments. You know, like Minnesota winter usually. Now we have, a, you know, a lot of sun. But sometimes, you know, we go days and then we just get a little pop in the morning and then it's... So, so again, if you can watch your heart like you watch the sky and just have a lot of compassion... I used to judge myself a lot. I mean, and I'm a therapist, my God. You know, you want to sit there and be, you know, compassion city. Well, that's not how it is. You know, even if I care about that person and I have compassion and I like, I want to be there for them, I just am human. So maybe I'm not feeling good, I didn't sleep well, or my heart isn't particularly radiant that day. You know, it's like, it's, can it be okay? And I'm, I'm, I'm showing up and being as present as I can with as open a heart as I can. And, and my sense is, like, that's enough. You know, yes, I'd love it to be like this, but, but that's not true. And I think when we're authentic and we're showing up, and, and if I'm really off, I'll just say, you know, I'm off today, and I'm, it's not about you, and I'm doing my best to be here with you. And, and I feel like that's our humanity. And I mean, I think in the past I couldn't be accepting with myself when I wasn't, you know, 100%. And now it's like, okay. And I think then I'm accepting more of other people. You know, I think when we can have that love, acceptance, compassion for our own struggle, that then then we can accept other people. You know, like I'm less reactive to the people when their hearts are closed. Like um, I asked my husband to go for a walk. He doesn't like to go for walks. And uh, I mean, he actually likes them, but he has—he's kind of aversive. So we go for a walk, and then—and then instead of just, you know, I, I just kind of, okay, you know, he doesn't want to go for a walk, and then I'll ask again, and we go out. We have a great time. We had a nice walk the other day, and and then it's—it's it's just kind of more of an acceptance. All right, I know that's how he is. I know that's his reaction, and and. Um, you know, that doesn't mean he doesn't love me. <laughs> he doesn't want to go for a walk. I mean, it, it may sound very mundane and superficial, but I think it's that sense of just the more we accept ourselves, the more we can be accepting of others and not take it so personally. Like, um, you know. And also with love, that when we're when when we don't love ourselves, I mean it's hard to take in that other people can love us. I mean, I work with a lot of people that they even have fears, like uh, one, one person I'm working with moved in with a partner recently and has these fears that they're going to be left because um, they don't feel enough love for themselves. You know, that kind of feeling or people like, um, like can't take it in. 
because it, you know we think that we'll get it from the outside and we'll take it in, but often if we don't have it here, we, we, it kind of bounces off or we don't trust it or we think there's something wrong with this person like that Woody Allen quote, like, why would you want to be in the club that I'm in or something, like, you know, that kind of low self-esteem. And the Dharma, not, not, I mean, this isn't about a puffed up ego. This is about that unconditional love being, you know, connecting with that essential goodness of your own Buddha nature to rest in that and that kind of contentment and, and ease. Like when I'm up here, like I just feel like, you know, even though I don't know some of you or you don't know me, I mean, we're all in it together. We're human, right? We all, you know, it's not, um, it's easy. It's easy to, to love, to, to care. So any, any other comments or questions tonight? Feels a little tired tonight. It's a little stuffy in here. Yes? Um, you mentioned uh, Say again, the, the conditional? Yeah, just the people where I found that at a time that their love was conditional. Mm-hmm. Are the people that it's the hardest. Have other people found that too? That people you feel it's more conditional, their love, that it's harder to be loving with them? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I, I think I certainly feel if someone has more of a, a contracted or closed off heart, you sense it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I think that you can certainly feel that as well. React to that, but it's harder to sort of keep that very openness mm-hmm. with people who are close to mm-hmm. Right. And, and that's where, you know, the, the, um, technology, so to speak, of the loving-kindness practice where you go through the categories of the different beings, you know, the ones that are easy to love, the ones that are neutral, you know, all the way to the ones that are difficult. And and I have found that that working with a difficult person, and, and most of us have people that we have difficulty, um, is actually one of those... Um, um, you know, like Mark calls it, you know, you put the stones in the barrel <laughs> and, and they kind of rub against each other, that actually the difficult people have been some of the, I really have gratitude for them because that's really been, you know, where the rubber meets the road. And it's like, you know, okay, great, I can get along and with everybody that agrees with me, but, you know, put me in a room with someone with a different belief or doesn't like me or I don't respect them and, you know, the heart closed. So sometimes it, it helps to to build up to work with those people. Like even the ones that conditionally love us. Like um, I mentioned parents. Um, and I and I really do believe that my parents did the best they could. But you know it wasn't un, always unconditional love. There were expectations and desires to be a certain way or to meet you know what they wanted. And and I think that what I have found that 
that by just seeing their humanity and having compassion that I've forgiven them for that. And, and, and even if that is sometimes comes across, I don't, I don't feel so upset about it, you know. Um, it's like you can kind of see the being behind that because when we're giving conditional love, we're, what's going on? Do you know what I mean? Like I imagine that I know I don't think that that person who's, who's giving love conditionally really loves himself. So that's just my feeling about it. Okay, so we're, we just have a few more minutes. Any any other comments or questions? Yes, please. Yes. I'm wondering if you read it again. Oh, sure. That's amazing. Just a couple of lines, so powerful. Um, Your task is not to seek for love. Your task is not to seek for love, but merely to seek and find all the barriers within yourself that you have built against it. The love we give away is the only love we keep. And the Dalai Lama says, when we feel love and kindness towards others, it not only makes others feel loved and cared for, but it also helps us to develop inner happiness and peace. So again, that loving heart is a peaceful, contented heart. So this is, my hope is that not to um, be a bummer, but to really, hopefully, these teachings can inspire us to connect and develop the heart as a way for um, more peace, contentment, ease, and a way of, of living. The, the Buddha says that um, awakening, enlightenment, is called the sure heart's release. The sure heart's release sets the awakened heart mind. So should we close? I'll close with the Metta Sutta. Um, <clears throat> I think I'll, we can just you can settle into a posture and relax. <clears throat> um, this is what. This is what should be done by one who is skilled in goodness and who knows the path of peace. Let them be able and upright, straightforward and gentle in speech, humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied, unburdened with duties and frugal in their ways, peaceful and calm, wise and skillful, not proud and demanding in nature. Let them not do the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove, wishing. In gladness and in safety, may all beings be at ease. Whatever living beings there may be, whether they are weak or strong, 
omitting none, the great or the mighty, the medium, short, small, the seen and unseen, those living near and far away, those born and to be born. May all beings be at ease. Let none deceive another or despise any being in any state. Let none through anger or ill will wish harm upon another. Even as a mother protects with her life her child, her only child, so with a boundless heart should one cherish all living beings, radiating kindness over the entire world, spreading upward to the skies and downward to the depths, outwards and unbounded, free from hatred and ill will, whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, free from drowsiness, one should sustain this recollection. This is said to be the sublime abiding. Not holding to fixed views, the pure-hearted one having clarity of vision, being freed from all sense desires, is not born into this world again. Continue to sit with the loving kindness, radiating it towards yourself and to one another, to those near and dear and far and wide. We can bring beings to mind, places in our world, like Haiti. Iraq and Afghanistan, if you wish, as far and wide as the heart wants to go this evening, the sublime abiding. Feel free to stay with yourself, no difference.
can offer the merit of our practice. Any benefits from our practice go to the benefit and awakening of all sentient beings, including ourselves. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.